0: Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Okay, everybody. So cool to see so many people in here. I was a little worried I was going to be talking to an empty room, but it's always good to see a bunch of beautiful faces after i have to look at this ugly mug in the mirror all day, so that's good. I get to get a little change of scenery. Um, Yes, so heroes of faith. That's the topic we're going over this summer, and it's a very interesting thing that Matthew uh, had asked me to talk on this when he did, because right around... yeah two, three weeks before he did, I had just then found out, okay, this or these are my heroes in faith. So it was like right after I had that aha moment, then he asked me if I wanted to talk and I was like, awesome, this is really cool. Um, so I want to start by talking about um, this conversation I had with a client of mine, okay? So I was at work and I was working out with a client and she was telling me about how at this team-building exercise they had at work, they were asked, who is someone that you look up to? Who's someone that is, like, your hero? And we were talking about it, and she had told me her answer, and I was like, well, isn't it, like, I feel like it's harder as an adult to say this person is my hero, this person is my, someone I look up to. Because as adults, we understand what's behind the curtains a little bit more, okay? So, like, as a, as a kid, I looked up to my dad. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's the strongest. He's the fastest and everything. I never saw my dad run, actually, so I don't know why I thought he was the fastest. I was like, and like, I feel like if I saw it, I'd probably like, have nightmares, like this old guy trying to waddle around. But anyways, so like looking at your, at your dad, you just see him at face value, okay? I see this guy. He's there all the time. I want to be like him. But as an adult, I see my dad, and I look up to him now for other reasons, but it's it's, it's a little harder to find someone like, okay, this is my hero, because I know what came with them getting to that point they're at, you know? So it's, a, it's a, the same thing for me now when it comes to hero of faith. When I, when I landed on the two people I have as my heroes of faith, it, it's hard because I know their backstory. But then also, I feel like that also strengthens why they are my heroes of faith, because I know their backstory, Um, so something like what I'm going to get into here is something that's uh, generational curses. Okay. My wife was uh, actually speaking on it just a little bit ago when she was up here. The one with the glittery shirt, that was my wife. That's (laughs) Steena there. Um, so I once heard it said about general generational curses that the sins that we struggle with the most are most likely generational curses. When I heard that, I was like shook a little bit. I was like, whoa. That makes a lot of sense, okay? So the things that I find the toughest to deal with, the things I find the toughest to take to God, are things that my dad, my mom, and people in my upbringing just had. Is like, it was acceptable. It was like, ah, uh, it's, it's just part of being human. It's not that big a deal, okay? And I don't want to blame my parents for what I'm dealing with, and I don't think we should blame people in our lives for what we're dealing with. I'm just giving you a little background here. Um, so when I, when I think of how my mom and dad raised myself and my two sisters and the things I struggle with, I always think, okay, I don't want my son to have to struggle with those things I struggle with. Okay. As parents, as a lot of us are, maybe you're a leader at work and you have people behind you that are coming up in the ranks. We always want to make sure, I hope anyways, that they make better decisions than we have made, that they avoid the stupid mistakes we have made, that the things that we carry around, the things that are tough on us, they don't have to carry around, okay? Um, so my wife, actually, I love talking about my wife. If you guys have ever talked to me for five minutes, I can't go five minutes without saying, oh, did you know this about Stina? A fun fact, she's really good at accents, okay? <laughs> but, yeah. So yeah, she can get you some accents later. But here's a disclaimer, they all sound the same. So if it's Chinese, South African, Australian, British, they all sound the same. But she's great at it. The enthusiasm is real. Um, But yeah, so I love that woman. Um, But she actually did break one of these generational curses. My wife is the first from her side of the family that became baptized and accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Yeah, please clap that up. I think that's amazing. All glory to God. All glory to God. So she, she was able to do that. She was able to break this curse of not having the Lord as your Savior. So our son is going to grow up with two parents that know the Lord, that love the Lord, that want to serve the Lord. So that is a, a, uh, a thing we want him to take with him in his life. Something that uh, along the same lines of being a parent We are, you often hear it said that someone will say, do as I say, not as I do. But we often know, us that are parents, our kids only do what we do. Hey, don't touch that. Got you. First thing they do is they go touch it, okay? It's, the generations behind us, people that are watching us as leaders, they will do as you do. So we wanna lead by example, okay? So if our parents, for example, live sinful lifestyles and they accept it as a normal thing, it's a pretty big chance that we, as their children, will have the same tendencies to live that same sinful lifestyle. So it's going to take a lot of work to try to break that because we've only seen it as something that is accepted. It's never been a problem. Oh, it's just a white lie. It's a lie. Okay? So don't try to kid yourself. So how does all of this tie into who my heroes of faith are? It's a father-son combo, okay? King David, King Solomon, might know them, pretty cool guys. I suggest you look them up. There, one thing I already think, like, this is enough just to be like a mic drop, this should be your hero, everyone's hero of faith, is what David did with Goliath. Everyone knows what David and Goliath did. How many people have been in hand-to-hand one-on-one combat? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and you're still standing, Matthew. Good, good. There's a hero of faith. (laughs) Um, Okay, so David was a shepherd, and you read in the Bible, this dude's out there like with like clipping lions and bears and stuff, and like this dude is fearless, okay? But if we're going to be quite honest, animals are more scared of us than we are of them, okay? I haven't killed any bears, so I'm not going to take anything away from David, but that's just the honest truth. So when David gets out to this battlefield, and this massive dude is standing out there calling people out wanting to fight him, and David is like, let's, let's roll, I'm, I'll rumble, I'm ready to go. I don't know how I would do that. One small misstep, and it is 100% game over, and it's not like in a TV show where you die and, like, the X's are on your eyes and you're just all laying there all comfy and everything. Like, it's going to be a brutal thing that you're going to have to go through. But David stood there knowing that God was behind him, and he smoked him. He got David, and we all know how that ends, okay? So I think that right there should just be, like, a reason why everyone should have David as their hero of faith, okay? I just wanted to give that little story for David, Unfortunately, David did other things that aren't so, you know, not so good, okay? He had, he saw, he was out on his balcony hanging out, beautiful day. He probably didn't live in Sweden because it would not be a good time to be on a balcony. And he's looking out and he's like, oh man, who's that sweet little thing over there? And someone's like, oh yeah, that's Bathsheba, that's Uriah's wife. And Dave was like, cool, I want her. Oh, that that bugs me so much because I love marriage so much. So how can someone that is, I look up to because he did something great and slayed a giant by the grace of God, by the power of God, and he has such a weak moment. And what makes it even worse is that weak moment is recorded, immortalized, Imagine if one of your weakest moments was recorded and put in a book that generation after generation would read about, one of the best-selling books in the world. How would we feel about ourselves? Not that great. If you would feel great, I know a psychologist that's sitting right over here so we could talk to him afterwards. So David and Bathsheba, they did something with each other, okay? And she got pregnant. So David's freaking out. He's like, oh, man, what am I going to do? Got it? I'll get Uriah killed. Brilliant. And what bugs me is, like, why did no one say, hey, that's probably a dumb idea? Like, people are like, oh, yeah, great idea, David. Do that. So David has Uriah go out to the front lines, and we all know how that goes. Uriah is killed, and this is David thinking, like, okay, I'm good now, so I can have her as my wife. But something that hit me is... If you guys don't know about this, my um, I've been in the military. I was in Afghanistan for a year, so I know a little bit about war. If you send a guy out to the front lines, he's not going by himself. It's not like 20 dudes are standing back here and be like, "Yeah, Uriah, you got it, man, go!" Like you're going there with him. So Uriah was a commander in the army, so I'm sure he was probably one of the best fighters. And the Bible talks about how he died. So the people that were behind him, they had to die too. So look at all these people that had to die because David had a weak moment. Okay? So Uriah's killed. It's unfortunate. Uh, David thinks he's in the clear. He takes Bathsheba as his wife. Um, And we know that child was miscarried. Uh, Very sad. But they get pregnant again. Okay? And this time, that pregnancy is with Solomon, all right? Solomon, also a really cool guy. He's a musician, if I remember right. He's, wrote, he's written books in the Bible. And one of those books, excuse me, is the Song of Songs, or the Song of Solomon, whichever, depending on the Bible you have. And Solomon also has his weak points, okay? Um, he had more wives than his dad did. That's a lot, Okay. Imagine those wars if you had more than one wife. <laughs> we wouldn't be talking to you today. I don't think so. <laughs> um, so that's also something. I mean, he's done other things. We will not need to get into all that. But just the thing is, I want you to know that he's, he has his baggage as well. So Solomon is the son of a marriage that should never have even happened. So his dad had a weak moment and did something very bad to break up one marriage to feed his selfish desires, but something still good came out of it, okay? He still went on to do great things, and we got Solomon. So I wouldn't, I think it's okay for me to say, or safe to say, that David, if you guys are single in here, don't follow his example on how to get a husband or wife, okay? That is not okay. We have Tinder now, all right? So, So Solomon is breaking a curse as well. He could have followed his dad's example, and I'm sure when he's at school, when he's in the marketplace, he hears murmurs. Oh, that's Solomon. Yeah, you hear what his dad did? Yeah, like his mom is like this other dude's wife, and it's crazy. So, I mean, he has to live all the time being reminded of his dad's weak moments. That's going to follow him till the day he dies. It's following him today. But still, Solomon went on to write a book called Song of Songs, And in the study Bible, they have like a first page where it says a little overview of the chapter you're you're about to read, uh, the purpose of it, the author, key verses, and those types of things. And it's very interesting. The purpose of Song of Songs is to tell the love between a bridegroom and his bride, to affirm the sanctity of marriage, and to picture God's love for his people. God is using someone... Whose dad was not the perfect picture of how a marriage should go. But still, he was able to use David's son to write a book to tell us about the sanctity of marriage, how God loves us. I, like, I'm getting goosebumps now. Like that is that's a trip for me. It is just, it's wild for me. So, Solomon, David, multiple other characters. They have their sins and their mistakes written down, and they can't get away from them. Unfortunately, we can't either. We can ask for forgiveness. God will erase it from our lives, and it's over there, okay? What I really want to drive home as my point as to why these are my uh, heroes of faith, it doesn't matter what your mom or dad did. It doesn't matter what you did. God can still use you, okay? It's, you're not too far gone. I promise you, if God can use these two to touch me all these years later and help me to want to break curses as well, there's no doubt in my mind that God can and will and wants to use you as well. So do not let the enemy give you that excuse that your parents did this, you did this, so you can't achieve this thing. That's a lie. I promise you it's a lie. I love this because it tells me that no matter what I do, if my heart is in the right place and I come to God for forgiveness and I want to change my course of actions, I want to break this generational curse, that God will and can use me for great, great things. I love you guys. Thank you for this time.